Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, 11 through 25 about the shaping of a leader. We are in Exodus, but we're going to start off today in Romans. So would you turn over to Romans chapter 8? I'm going to give you a couple introductory verses instead of reading the passage this morning. Romans 8, and then we'll move to Galatians 4. The shaping of a leader. God is in the business of saving and shaping. And once you get saved, that's just the beginning of the journey. There is the idea of regeneration, the theological principle that you're born again in a moment. The moment that you turn and trust in Christ, you are born again from above. You are regenerated, and the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But now there's a work that God wants to do, and that is a shaping work. And He has a particular plan for each of us, good works that He's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And here's a little bit more about that. This is Romans 8. Let's just look at verse 28 and 29. We know, not that we have to guess, not that we have to wonder, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Romans 8, 28. To those who love God, there's the qualification. Do you love Him? Are you in a relationship with Him? To those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined, to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, God is doing a conforming work, and later in Romans, he will say, don't be conformed to the world, rather be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, if you flip over to Galatians, which is just a little bit more to your right, Paul talks to the Galatian church, chapter 4, about this process as well. And the Galatian church was uh, facing all kinds of uh, heresy and uh, strange teachings. And Paul says this at the tail end of the letter. He says, My children, Galatians 4.19, with whom I am again in labor, that implies a struggle, until, what's your Bible say? Christ is formed in you. Now, we're going to talk about the shaping of Moses as a leader. And we're going to be talking about leadership today. And every one of you is a leader in some sphere, so this applies to everyone. But Moses is a type, a picture of the deliverer. So certainly God was doing shaping in his life. But I think it would be easy to maybe for some of you to sit on the sidelines, kind of be up in the stands today and say, oh, that's Moses, or maybe that's a pastor or a missionary. But actually, Paul writes to the whole church in Rome and the Galatian churches and says, no, This is for everybody in the body. Jesus Christ is being formed in you. This is the process of sanctification. And this is what God does. He uses all the various things that we go through, especially, of course, his work in our own lives, to conform us or to form us into the image of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean, if you go to the book of Exodus chapter 2, that we're going to be a deliverer for somebody, but... In another sense, we can be. That is, we lead people to the gospel. We lead people to the Christ who is the deliverer. But we give a delivering message, do we not? We have the gospel. It's been entrusted to the church. 
the pillar in support of the truth. And so we give it away. And when we give it away, people can meet the deliverer until Christ is formed in you. And it does imply a struggle. We know that, you know, for Christ to really be formed in us, it is a process. It's a conforming, shaping process, often pictured in the potter with the uh, pottery, the shaping of the wheel. It can be painful. It can be difficult. But the Lord is doing a work. And we're going to see this in the life of Moses. And I want you to be thinking about your own journey, your own life, whatever you may be facing this morning. God works all things together for good, and it moves into that idea of him conforming us into the image of his son. Father, thank you for the precious people that have gathered uh, to this place on this morning. And this is the church because they are here. It's not the building. And thank you for all of those who have joined us in their homes. And they can't be here right now, but nevertheless, they are here. And I know they're with us in spirit, and we're so grateful that We can be together on this Lord's Day. Thank you for the rain. The rain is an image in the Bible about it coming down and causing growth on the ground. And we need it desperately in Southern California, but we need it more desperately in our lives, Lord. Let the rain of your word produce a crop unto your glory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We're going to finish chapter 2. This morning in the book of Exodus, and we are looking at the shaping of a leader. Let's start in verse 11, Exodus 2. Now, it came about in those days when Moses had grown up, literally you could render this reached manhood, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors. Now, as we often see in the Bible, we just have uh, kind of big moments in a lot of the stories of our heroes in Scripture. This is also true of Moses. You have a focus on the birth of Moses and the first couple of months of his life until his mother and father could not hide him any longer. And then mom did that tender, wonderful thing that she did. She made that little ark for him and put him in the reeds on the Nile. And God, of course, did the rest. And he did a miraculous thing. And mom, Yoshebed, was able to uh, nurse Moses and take care of him at least the first three, four years of his life until he was weaned. And back in the ancient times, that took place at about three or four years of age. So they had a chance to pour into him in very formative years to uh, love him, to cherish him. I'm sure sure they were trying to do a whole lot in a very condensed period of time. And uh, they had to hand him off to the Pharaoh's daughter, to the princess. And Moses became her son. And so... This is about 36 years later. So oftentimes when you're reading your Bible, all of a sudden there's a fast forward and it moves from the time of a birth to the time of adulthood and there's not a lot of story in between. And some of you are tracking with this because you know this is what happened with Jesus. There are birth narratives in Matthew and Luke in the Gospels, but Mark and John really start when Jesus is an adult And we only have one snapshot of Jesus' childhood, nothing about his teen years, one snapshot when he was 12, and that's in the Gospel of Luke. And that's all we got, because the beginning of Jesus' ministry, if you will, starts when he was about 30 years of age. And Moses is about 40 when uh, when this transition occurs, and Moses is going to live another 80 years. So he's going to have a long life and God's going to use those 40 year stretches for different periods or different purposes in Moses's life. 
And so you can just note that if you are taking notes, that Moses has now moved to adulthood from really a time when he was a child till he has grown up. When a child has reached such a stage, says one writer, he's able to choose, and this is specifically a male, his way of life and interests, take part in his father's business, marry, and theoretically give sound advice and, uh, and to others based upon mature understanding and wisdom. I have had the privilege to raise three boys, and one of the things that uh, I went through in terms of looking at how to raise them was a program called Raising a Modern Day Night. And one of the things that Robert Lewis did in that curriculum was to instruct fathers to honor rites of passage and to do different ceremonies at different significant ages when they were transitioning into adolescence and then to adulthood and honor that with ceremonies and speak into their lives and, and charge them with a biblical worldview and calling. And that's something I had the privilege to do with my own sons. And one thing that I did was I gave them swords because it was the, this idea of raising a modern day knight. And the swords were really symbolic unless they really got mad at their brother. Then I said you could use it. No, just kidding. But I would put their favorite Bible verse on the sword and present it to them in a way that was not just the norm, like here's a sword. It was more of a ceremony. And we did one as a church of men, a group of men as part of this fellowship around a fire up in the mountains one time. And it was a very special, I would even call it a holy moment where dads were telling their sons how much they love them and what they desired that they would accomplish for the kingdom of God. And I think we need to get back to some of that in our culture. I think we've maybe overlooked some of that. And that's true for, uh, obviously, boys and girls as they grow up. But, but Moses is a male, and the idea here is he reached manhood. Um, so what does it mean when you reach manhood? What should be uh, said to a child who is growing up and transitioning what would we do as dads or grandpas or great-grandpas to charge them with something that they could really, really be thinking about? And I'll just tell you simply, one of the things that I tried to do is tell my boys that they were to live for a transcendent cause, that is the cause of the gospel. They were to meet their Lord, walk with their Lord, realize their gifts, and use them for something that's actually going to last, something that really matters, not just the temporal stuff of the world. But they would also realize maybe their uh, specific work that they would do because not everybody ends up in formal ministry. So what is it that God's calling you to do for work? And that you would understand that and realize that and walk in it. And for those outside uh, of the gift of singleness, you would find a woman to marry. And I started praying along with mom for future wives when they were little kids. And I started challenging my boys about how to love a woman correctly and how to honor her and how to deal with her family. Those are things that I really felt needed to be uh, put into their hearts. To go and ask the dad, can I buy your daughter a frozen yogurt? Is that okay? And I would encourage the dads to be cleaning your gun at that point. That would be really strategic you see, the shaping of a leader happens by God, but it also is entrusted to us. And it, the shaping of God's people is entrusted to shepherds who shepherd the flock of God and commend people to the grace of God. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a long-time listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. And I started challenging my boys about how to love a woman correctly and how to honor her and how to deal with her family. Those are things that I really felt needed to be uh, put into their hearts. To go and ask the dad, can I buy your daughter a frozen yogurt? Is that Okay. And I would encourage the dads to be cleaning your gun at that point. That would be really strategic. (laughs) You see, the shaping of a leader happens by God, but it also is entrusted to us. And the shaping of God's people is entrusted to shepherds who shepherd the flock of God and commend people to the grace of God and utilize the word of God because the word of God does its shaping in our lives. Amen. That's why we do what we do here, by the way. We believe in the power of God's word to shape you. And sometimes, you know, I know you're sitting there and I say all God's people said amen. And you're like, oh, no, all God's people said, ouch. <laughs> I feel you. I usually get it during the week and then I don't want to do it all alone. I want to share the conforming struggle. Now, Moses was trained in Egyptian education, which God would use. Let me just remind you, I've mentioned this a few times, but about the first 40 years of his life, save the three or four years of weaning, Moses was raised in the greatest educational system that existed on the planet. The Egyptian uh, understanding of astronomy, mathematics, building projects, architecture, art, uh, is born out in history. The riches and wealth of Egypt Uh, discovered in uh, such things as the tomb of King Tut and the incredible uh, fortitude of these people, creativity, and how smart they were in terms of constructing the pyramids and the colors they use in their paintings and stuff is amazing. And, And Moses got that. And Moses spoke at least probably three languages by the time he was done with his schooling. And he was educated, very well educated, And God would use that strategically because Moses pens the first five books of our Bibles called the Pentateuch. And so God even used that, if you want to put it this way, secular education 
to prepare Moses to do what God called him to do. Let me remind you, and you don't have to turn there, Acts 7, 22 and 23, and there's two commentaries in the New Testament that uh, talk about Moses' early upbringing and education, Acts 7 and Hebrews 11. But for the sake of time, it says, Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, Acts 7, 22, 23. He was a man of power in words and deeds. This is Stephen speaking. But when he was approaching the age of 40, it entered his mind, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel. Now Moses goes out to them. If you look one more time in verse 11, it says he went out, middle of 11, to his brethren. That phrase went out is yatsa in Hebrew. It's the same word of them going out in the exodus out of Egypt. He went out to his brethren. Moses knows who he is. He knows he's Hebrew, even though he's grown up in an Egyptian context. And he looked on their hard labors. That phrase, he looked on and he saw, uh, is more than just a passing glance. Moses looked, uh, one writer put it this way, Moses left the palace and brought his heart out to the mud pits. And when he looked, he saw his people's pain. Now, I don't know because of where Moses was educated and where the slaves were taken to build these cities for Pharaoh, if he was somewhat isolated from their pain, uh, we would have to surmise that in 40 years of life, he had to have seen some you know, glimpses of it at least. Was he isolated from the locations where the terrible stuff was happening? Did he hear the stories? Did he see it a couple of times? Were they more behaved when he was there? I don't know. But what I do know is that when Moses went out this time, he went out to his people, it was in his heart, in his soul to do so. He looked upon them. And the idea of the Hebrew here is he looked upon them and felt their emotion and felt their pain. A couple times recently, I I was sharing with some uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that when we go to our great high priest, he can empathize and sympathize with our pain because he's the God-man. And still today, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. He knows what it's like to be betrayed, to... uh, be an innocent victim, unjustly treated. We can go down the list. He knew what it was like to be tired, to face temptation, etc., etc. He knows because he's human. He's 100% human. So when you go to that throne of grace, Hebrews 4, he can empathize and sympathize. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, and that he pours out help to us in time of need. That is a beautiful image that I'm not sure we always put together that when we go to the God-man, he has empathy for us. And Moses looked on his people and he felt their pain. Some years ago, we had a band here and the lead singer was named Moy and that's the name of the band. And Moy shared a story. He said he went out to a third world country. I don't remember the name of the country. And uh, he saw the poverty and, and he felt compassion for what was going on. And he met two young boys. And as a punishment, their mom had poured chlorine into their eyes directly, and they both were blind. And he said he had a moment where he was looking at their blindness and what their mother had done to them and looking at the poverty and, and the living conditions, and he was like, oh, God, you know. Uh, he, he felt the pain, and, you know, there's nothing like seeing something for yourself to understand what's really going on. 
When you really see something for what it is, and sometimes our eyes are shielded from reality, and, and some of the atrocities of our day, we get shielded from the reality, but once you see it, there's no more arguments about what it is. And this could be in the realm of abortion, this could be in the realm of a lot of different things that go on in our world that are, you know, oftentimes shielded from the public. We don't really know what this means until we see it. And Moses had one of those experiences. And Moy said he felt like God, when he saw those boys and considered the, the area, God spoke to his heart, and you can take this for what, it's, what it is. He said, the Lord said, you know, you're just feeling this pain right now. Do you know how long I've been watching this? I've always known what they're going through. But now you're beginning to resonate with something that I think this is what we do as believers. We have compassion for people. We want to enter into people's pain and be Christ's hands and feet. Amen? This is what we talk about in the church. This is where we take you know, what we learn and we actually put it into practice in the world. And so Moses went out. He took his heart. He saw the pain. And it was probably tough for him to see because these, this was his people. You know, he, he had been obviously largely shaped in the Egyptian setting, but still he felt compassion. He went out to his brethren. He looked. He saw. End of 11. An Egyptian beating. The idea of beating is naka in Hebrew or nakao. And it can mean to smite or it could even mean to kill. He saw... An Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren, one of his brothers. There's Moses. He has sympathy, empathy. He looks, he feels the emotion. And then he sees a travesty where the Hebrew could imply that if this goes on, this Egyptian, perhaps taskmaster, is going to kill this Hebrew. What do you do now? What would you do if you were Moses? You've been listening to The Shaping of a Leader, part one on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, 11 through 25. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. You can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives you updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids, like our annual Harvest Festival coming later this month. If you live outside of Southern California, you can still benefit from the Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. I want you to hear the title of this message, Every Leader is Shaped. Now, you could say people are born with leadership skills or have leadership tendencies, but every leader is shaped. Think about Bible leaders. A lot of them said, like Moses, get somebody else, or I'm not the guy, or, you know, I don't want to do it, in so many words. And oftentimes the Lord would take them through a desert experience or pare down their numbers like the story of Gideon and show his glory. It's not so much in a biblical concept about the person that God chooses. It's about the power of God and a willing vessel. And often God, as you know, I'm sure you know well, God uses unexpected vessels to accomplish 
his perfect will. And so the shaping of a leader is something that we can all be thinking about as God uses uh, the, I guess you could say, the unexpected people to impact the world. Maybe you're finding it difficult to imagine yourself as a leader. Maybe you lack some of the qualities of a leader, like, you know, passion or compassion. What do you do now? Well, what what kind of help could you uh, pursue to get to a better place? Well, here's the bottom line. The more you walk with Jesus, the better, more effective leader you become. Whether you're leading a company, a family, a marriage, um, a baseball team, a small group Bible study, maybe you uh, help out at Sunday school, maybe you're on a missions board, whatever you do, you'll become a more effective leader as you follow your leader. You become more like him, you become a more effective leader. My consistent prayer, Lord, make me a shepherd after your own heart. That's what will make you effective, and it's not very complicated. Just draw near to him. He'll do the rest of the work. This is Pastor Michael Lance. This is Walk in Truth. We're so glad you're walking through the book, the glorious book of Exodus with us. We're excited to have you, and we will see you, Lord willing, right here tomorrow. Thank you to all of our partners. We love you. And don't forget, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $5 a month, or you can give a one-time gift. Visit walkintruth.com to give. And thank you. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 2, 11 through 25, The Shaping of a Leader. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.